Before we get started today, Jerry Remy, who was the second baseman for the Angels and the Red Sox, but more notably in my life and Zach's life and Andrew's life, the announcer for the Red Sox, uh, passed away today. Very troubling last few years to his life. His son committed suicide. And yet Remy, I thought, was both moderately insightful. Uh, he wasn't, you know, it's, it's not like reading Michael Ballman or someone. He was, he was an old ball player. But he had insights, and he was uniquely amusing and a guy that it was great to spend three hours an evening with. Zach, you were a you were a big Arcillo, and uh, we we used to listen to Arcillo, Don Arcillo, and Remy together. And uh, what are your memories of Jerry Remy? Remy was a uniquely funny baseball announcer in an era when there was not a lot of great baseball announcers. He was a homer for the Red Sox, and he was proud of that in the way. Like he always, yeah. although he did occasionally point out he, that they, he, they fucked up. But he would point out when the pitchers were bad. He would point them out. He was never a good baseball player. I think he hit like two thirty. Oh no, he was in the two seventies, but he never walked. Never, and he also had he would steal thirty bases and gets caught seventeen times, which is like just don't steal. But it's tough to talk about Jerry Remy because he was the voice of essentially my childhood. He was the voice of my childhood. He was the voice of my teenage years. He was the guy that I would always turn to to watch when I would be thinking about Red Sox games. Um, it's a loss. It, it, it's a loss in Red Sox Nation. It's a loss in Boston sports. He was not like Jack Edwards in that he was a homer where he was overly, overly a homer. He was a homer, but he would call it like it is. I think it's a sad It's a sad day. Sad day for Red Sox Nation. For sure. On the other side of the... Um you know, I've, I've never been a fan of Boston teams, but I, you know, I, I, I listen to plenty of games, you know, Tom Heinsohn and, um, and Mike Gorman doing Celtics games and like Don Orsillo and Jerry Remy doing Red Sox games. Like those are memorably pleasurable telecasts too, because both teams, Heinsohn was a homer. Remy was a homer in his own way. Remy has, I think my all time favorite kind of like Boston accent. I, I, I just, I like the sound of his voice. I like the sound of his voice. There's a charm to it. And he was there, man. He saw some shit. He was there. He was the guy in Bucky that Bucky Dent game. Like he was yeah. on the. What did he play second or short? Second. He played second. You know, obviously his late life, but no, his son. I his son had in, steroid problems. His, and his son, son was involved in a, yeah. in a in a homicide. I think. Yeah, and too. I think he ended up killing himself, right? Yeah, his his yeah uh, he 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 dealt with the tragic later later years, right? Yeah. And and then he 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 got cancer about a decade ago, and then had six relapses, and it was the seventh one that, that mm-hmm. he that killed him. He he was not a giant in the sport, but no, he was. A, he he's was not a, a he's not a Jack Buck. No, he, but for many of us in New England, he was the voice of he was the voice of our team. You know, I have NBA League Pass, and sometimes you listen to some of these local broadcasts, and you say like, "Oh, that guy's just fun to listen to." The the Bulls yeah. with Stacey King. Stacey King's just fun to listen to. You know, he he enjoys the game. He enjoys his job. I was watching a clip today of Jerry Remy doing almost play-by-play of a, of a guy throwing a slice of pizza at another guy, <laughs> and it was just so wacky. And, and Orsillo and Remy spent two minutes on it in the middle of the game, and it's like that's where Red Sox baseball was because of Remy's I, unique sense of humor. I, I remember his, like, vitriol and anger when <laughs> A-Rod and Veritek fought. When he was like, he was, like, offended that Veritek, <laughs> that uh, A-Rod would fight Veritek. And... 
he he was like for much of my childhood. He's the voice of he was the voice of my team, and uh, he'll be missed. Yeah, so you know he he didn't get to go out the way I think he should have gone out as a Red Sox announcer. I think they kind of gave him the shaft. I think you let Jerry Remy go until Jerry Remy's done. That's what they did with Heinsen. They and, and, and that's what they, there, and that's what they did know? with Arcelo too. Well, um, they got they, they dumped Arcelo early for not being positive enough. Terrible. And Arcelo is the best player of like guy in baseball. Arcelo yeah. is so. I, I think so. Yeah. Right. Rest in power, yeah. Jerry Remy. I mean, we we do dead or alive on this show, but sometimes they hurt. And yeah, you know, I woke up today and I looked at uh, Twitter and I saw, oh God, I'm like, he's only nine years older than I am. Like he's not. He's a guy I watched growing up, and he was a guy I when I played ABBA, he was on my team because I always did the Angels, and yeah, as you said, you know, rest in peace. Uh, he has not had a lot of peace over the last decade, and I hope he finds it now. And we'll be back in a second. Passing through the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Ed, and Zach. Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective for reasons... Due to logistics of being stuck at an airport uh, by one of our, our hosts, we are recording Halloween evening. And so the, that sound you hear is the doorbells ringing from excited and then ultimately disappointed children because there's no candy in this house. So how you doing, Zach? Doing well. It's, uh, it's spooky season. So very excited. Very frightened today to see the Jets beat their second playoff team in a row. It was a uh, it was a great day. It was a great day. It's Mike White Day, and I think from now on Halloween will just be called Halloween. Halloween. It will be celebrated in the halls of Western <laughs> Kentucky University. <laughs> That's right. By the way, the quarterback for Western Kentucky this year is really good, Zayvon Bonnie or something. He's really good. He's the best quarterback since Mike White. So Zach, I got a question for you. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to be talking about George Steinbrenner today. As you know, because we, we prepare for this show. And there's a Don Mattingly joke on The Simpsons uh, on the Homer at the Bat episode, which is often viewed as one of the 10 best episodes in Simpsons history. The first Simpsons episode to beat the Cosby show in the ratings. Five people who played, who were on that team, are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I will give you a hint. One of them's a bit of a trick answer. But Five of the people who played a game in that show are in the Hall of Fame. Ozzie Smith. Ozzie Smith is one. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. is two. Mike Sweeney? No. Uh, sorry, Mike Sosha. <laughs> Mike Sosha did not make the Hall of Fame, right? He's not. He's not. No. Um, Roger Clemens? Roger Clemens has been denied the Hall of Fame because of his horrifying steroid abuse. Though he should probably be there. Though he, should, oh, be, Wade, though he Wade, should be there. Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs. By the way... Because Fox missed the game because he got on a fight at, at Moe's over who was the greatest British prime minister, which is my favorite. Like, I remember watching that and thinking that was just so off-brand for Wade Fox. Who, who are the other two? <laughs> so, well, one of them, I just mentioned it because of Steinbrenner. Oh, no, Mattingly's oh, not in. Mattingly's no. not in the whole No, man. so we have one more, and it's a trick one. It's based on this episode. It's not Daryl Strawberry. No, it's it, because it's... of the episode. <clears throat> Because he drove in the winning run in the game. Homer. Yeah, Homer Simpson's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Really? Yes. He was he was <laughs> he was put in on a special like 
media thing. Uh, so it's Homer, Griffey, Boggs, Smith, and that's it. There's only four because I, I had forgotten that, that people showed good judgment and Mattingly's not in. <laughs> How you doing, Andrew? Uh, very well. Good to see you. It's been too long. Two weeks. It has been. Two, know, it has been two weeks. And this is also a special episode, so we will not be doing our rants. No. We're going to take my rant, which was about the Washington football team's investigation with multiple air quotes by Roger Goodell et al. And my Roger Goodell is the worst person in sports is looking really good. But we'll talk about that next week. That'll be our, our show save next it. week. Yeah. yeah, we're going to save it. Uh, I do have a relation question for you. Mm-hmm. To celebrate the Jets win, where Mike White became, I'm sure he's only the third quarterback ever to have 400 yards. Tested Verde, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I know Montana, had, I mean, uh, Namath had a 400-yard game. Yeah. So Namath had a 400-yard game, like Mike White did. Not the guy who wrote and directed School of Rock, the other Mike White. Who did Namath replace as the Jets' starting quarterback? And is he dead or alive? I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Really, I don't know. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. Here. <laughs> I don't. He is the wonderfully named Dick Wood. Okay. And uh, he is he is dead. So you, be, because you got it wrong, we don't. you don't have to send the edible arrangement. Um, All right. The money stays here. <laughs> the, the money stays in the pocket. Dick Wood. Dick Wood. <laughs> Sorry. Dick Wood. Dick Wood. Yeah. And actually, um, I'll give you another one. There was only one quarterback that started more games than Namath during that Namath tenure in two seasons. Do you know who that was? So, um, so say the question again. So it's, during Namath's tenure, which was from Je- 65 to 74, yep. one quarterback started more games than Namath in separate two separate years. In the NFL or on the Jets? In the NFL. In the NFL. Oh, I, I mean, no, for the Jets. For the Jets? Right, because he had a lot of injuries. Yeah, I don't know. It was Al Woodall. He's alive, uh, so you still save the money. Name. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, we yeah, I, I went deep for that one. My pre nineteen sixty five sort of AFL Jets. It's like when well, it's like an empty. Uh, it might have been the t- spot. Were they the Titans in sixty five? They might have still been the Titans. Maybe those hideous uniforms that they sometimes wear. Yeah, which I, they haven't in years. Mercifully, <laughs> uh, they're not as bad as the Steelers bumblebee uniforms. The Packers been- ones are kind of offensive too. Whatever the Acme Packers. Those are yeah. I love those. Ugh. But the best ones are like every time the Chargers do the throwback jerseys, it's like, why did you change? Like the powder blue. Yeah, like, like that's uh, the greatest jersey yeah. who's, that's ever been I, invented. I think they use them now as a third jersey. You see yeah, the you see them more because it, it's that good of a jersey. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, right. All right. So with that, uh, we will be back to talk about George Steinbrenner, a hero that time has forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to put it. And <laughs> yeah. uh, as soon as. Uh, these ads are over on the Bill Bradley Collective. For a better life, try saying some yummy words. If you're feeling blue, try the fun and fizzy ones. Schnitzel. Papyrus. Echinacea. Vava Voom. If winter makes you crave a little warmth, roll the kitchen words around. Cardamom. Ginger. Pepper pot. Spice. The dangerously alluring words are always fun, as sensual in your mouth as chocolate truffles, kumquat, shimmer, redolent, dusk, and don't forget the penny words, small and common, thanks, coffee, hello, 
love. Yummy words. Which one will you choose today? So for many of our younger listeners, George Steinbrenner is simply a character in Seinfeld refunds, uh, voiced by Larry David. But George Steinbrenner was both the owner of the Yankees for 27 years, the longest time anyone's ever owned the Yankees. 37 years. It was yeah, 73, yeah. 73 to 2010. To, yeah. yeah, 37 oh. years. I'm sorry. sorry. And probably remembered as Donald Trump 1.0. He's like an early Trump. Pre-modern Trump. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it uh, as we go along. But he's he's very Trumpian as a kind of a New York, quote-unquote, self-made man. And here's how self-made he was. He inherited his shipping company from his grandfather. His grandfather had this huge shipping company, and he inherited it. Though, to be fair to George, when he did get a hold of it, it was not particularly profitable. And Steinbrenner, during his time, made it much more profitable, in part by changing what they shipped uh, from ore to grain, which made sense because steel mills were closing. So he did actually do something. He bought the New York Yankees in 1973 from CBS for what was reported to be $10 million, but it was actually $8.8 million because $1.2 million was for a parking garage. It was also thrown Two in. parking garages. Yeah. Two parking garages that they immediately sold ones. back yeah. to. Um, and he was one of the poorer owners, right? Right, yeah. Yes. Well, well, no. At the, well, at the time, like the Griffin family still owned the twins. They weren't worth a lot of money. Their only business was the twins. They bought the twins many, many, like decades earlier and <clears throat> at nothing, and, and that was their business. You had many more small market owners, but he was not certainly in the top half. What made Steinbrenner incredibly wealthy were the Yankees. Yeah. the Yankee, And the Yankees are now worth, what, over $2 billion, I believe. I, you might want to double that. You know, I, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's like a $2.5 billion. I think they're the... They're the, the most valuable baseball franchise. Yes, they are. They're but, the third you know. most valuable franchise in sports after Manchester United. And the Cowboys. And the Cowboys. Is that right? Yeah, those are the, those are the two. Um I will say that both Manchester, the owners of Manchester United built their stadium and the Cowboys built their stadium, but Steinbrenner did not build his stadium. (laughs) No. No, and that was uh, the New Yankee Stadium was paid for by taxpayers like you and me. And it's a dump, too. It sucks. Yep. Not great. So, Andrew, I'll kick it to you. In his second year, he runs into legal trouble. And what is his trouble? He does. Um, So you... You reference him as sort of this uh, this pre-Trump Trump, and he's he's obviously identified as a New, York, a New Yorker as the owner of the Yankees, and later like being this unseen character on right. Seinfeld. But he's, but he's from Cleveland. He's from Cleveland. He's from Ohio, where he, where he learned under the auspices of very well uh, well-to-do men like Woody Hayes, where he's a grad assistant at Ohio State's football team under Woody Hayes. Who, in case you don't know, uh, gets fired for slugging an opposing player on the sideline. He's an authoritarian, and he's a bully. And that's his legacy. This bit of legal trouble he gets into in 74 is kind of, I feel like it's almost swept under the rug where he makes, uh, then President Richard Nixon is in the throes of, you know, being removed from office. The, the weird thing and about that, though, is he donated almost exclusively to Democrats before that. Which is really curious to he, me. Well, like, it, it's very similar. We, we, we've talked about very similar to Trump. Trump donated to almost exclusively Democrats. But it's... 
and then and then he gets caught up in this Nixon thing where he bundles money for him. Right, but but if, it's not that curious when you look at what's going on in his life because they the his shipping company has made a deal with the Department of Justice, uh, Department of Justice, I think, or something, some ju- some depa- government commerce, department. I think, Gover- department of commerce. I'm sorry, DOC. Is, yeah, yeah, and they have these huge overruns, and the DOC is beginning to say, well. What the hell's going on here? And Steinbrenner says, well, we could answer your questions or we could simply buy your silence because Dick Nixon's the president yeah. and we can handle it this way. Dick Nixon, the second to last adult in memory that used Dick as a name. After and, after Red Sox, uh, Yankee reliever Dick Tidrow. Dick Tidrow. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Tidrow. Dick Williams was almost an early uh, Steinbrenner Yankee manager too. Um, That's right. Yeah. He, got, he was not, he refused the job. He did. So what he does is he essentially he grants what are they twenty five thousand dollars bonuses to six American shipbuilding company employees under explicit direction that this money is going to to Nixon completely illegal. It gets gets foiled. It it was illegal then. It's illegal now. I mean, you wouldn't do it now because you just hide it. But I mean, it's it's it was completely illegal. And all of the guys who get arrested say, "Well, no, I was told I had to do it." it. And uh, Steinbrenner originally denies it and then says later, I got really bad legal advice. I was told it was okay to do this, which I don't know who he was talking to, but it was pretty clear to me as an 11 or 12-year-old at the time, you can't do this. I mean, yeah, I he, he says publicly before really all the details, he's like, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight this in court. And then he quickly uh, yeah, changed his course on that. Because, <laughs> once, once again, another similarity to Trump. Yeah, right. exactly. Because what's once his what, what's his penalty? It doesn't have one. He uh, he, he gets fined fifteen thousand mm. uh, dollars, and he doesn't get any jail time at all. And that's it. He he was banned um, for twenty four months Bowie by Kuhn. by Boy yeah. Kuhn, yeah. who said you know that this was an embarrassment and that no one can pay him play to do illegal things. And then he commutes it to 24 months. Yeah. No, from, it went from 24 to 15. 24 to 15. 24 that's to 15. Right, yeah, from yeah. 24 yep. to 15. So, shockingly, <laughs> this rich white guy who violates incredibly important election laws ends up with no issues whatsoever. Just really, it's a $15,000 fine, which is literally the equivalent of a $15 fine that you would make. Right, I mean, yeah. what's what's fifty thousand dollars doesn't mean anything to George Steinbrenner. You know, it's the fucking Yankees, and a shipping company, and a shipping company, right? Yeah, and the shipping company, which becomes less and less important as he moves along, but still, he's worth millions at this time. Yeah, I mean, by, by the by even, the mid by the mid seventies, yeah. Well, um, even by seventy four, the Yankees are now not like I remember they, reading that the Yankees were underpriced at ten. Just CBS didn't want to do baseball anymore. They were they once CBS takes over in what I believe 65, 66, that's like the end of Mantle, the end of that run. They're like really mediocre throughout the six, late late sixties, early seventies. And once Steinbrenner comes in, not because of him, but like the team is kind of on this upswing right. by 73, 74. Well, it's and, a, it's a Jake Gibbs, Horace Clark teams. Like, I mean, Horace yeah. Clark's the best player. Joe, no, Pepe, Bobby, Joe, Joe Pepitone. Joe Pepitone yeah. plays first. Um Bobby Mercer's her star. He, he comes up a little bit later, but yeah. The, the well, he comes up in the, the late 60s. He yep. comes in and, and mm-hmm. Roy White. But, I mean, those teams were bad, bad. Like were. Those, those teams were 70 and, and 92. And, and business is not great because you have the Mets that win the World Series in 69, and they've kind of, like, 
you know, taken over in that market. Really. Right. And also the bra the, the Yankee Stadium neighborhoods in a really rough condition. So it was it was For not sure. a place that people felt comfortable bringing their families. Now some of that's just object racism, but some mm-hmm. of it's not. So finally his ban is over. And that seems to be the end of his legal problems, although we're just getting warmed up here. <laughs> it, it hangs over his head his whole life. For sure. I mean, uh-huh. you know, Reggie Jack, uh, Billy Martin's famous comment. Well, she brought that up. What, what, one's a born liar and the other's a convict. Talking about Reggie, the born liar. Yeah. Reggie's a born liar. George. Says that. Uh, and Billy Martin's a very problematic human being. That line gets him fired in 78, I believe. It gets him fired. It also might get him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, True. A, the Bill Bradley Collective Hall of Fame. Yeah, sure. certainly in the Bill Bradley Collective <laughs> sure. Hall of Fame. Although his number was retired. And, and it's just... It's one of those things that the access to public forgiveness for a certain type of person is so different. And certain type of person, I mean rich white guy, is so different from everybody else. It becomes a joke in the Miller Lite commercials, right? Where they keep overdubbing, you're hired, you're fired. Because he hired, how many times did he hire Uh, Martin? Six. Five five or six. Six? Six. I'll take six, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and and the whole thing was just a, I mean... The you know Greg Nettle's famous comment: I could never decide whether I wanted to become a ball player or join the circus, and luckily I became a Yankee and I got to do both. That's a great but, line. But I think it's it's also one thing of like Steinbrenner committed like serious financial crimes. Yeah, like these are serious, and he paid almost no penalty. Fifteen thousand dollars for a guy who owns a team worth fifteen million, you know, let's just say back in the day. Is a drop in the bucket. You're not even noticing that. And you talk about uh, Bowie Kuhn at the time suspending him for two years. It's like, well, he's not. He's still the owner. He's just kind of removed from the day to day management of the team, which is not. This is not going to be the first time in this story. But like, it's not. There's no to your point. No rep, real repercussions for and, this. You know, felonious. Uh, you know, and the talk about no no consequences. He's a guy that went on where this was pardoned. He was yeah. able to use his influence to get a pardon from Reagan about these crimes, which basically just forgave him for all of his financial crimes. He's right. a Miller Lite pitch man, to Ed's point, three years later. And he's they're debating great taste, less filling with, with Billy Martin, who he... I mean, it, it was the most famous of those commercials. It was. And those were yeah. the first, like... There's no such thing as viral, because there's no social media, but those were viral commercials. Like, when they came out, it was, well, did you see it? Like, because he... It was almost like the ESPN commercials. Uh, this, this is Sports, Sports Center, Center, where like the first time you saw one, you went and asked your friends, "Hey, did you see that commercial? Because it's really funny and it's really good." Dangerfield was in one. There were a whole bunch of people that were in in them, and and but the most famous were the Steinbrenner Martin ones because every time he got hired or fired, they just run him again. And like you said, they'd redubbed. <laughs> they just fired, redubbed it over and you're over. Rehired. <laughs> you're right. It's like it's evergreen. It was yeah. genius. Yeah. Um, so. One of the things Steinbrenner is responsible for, which is positive, is more than any other person he's responsible for the growth in, in player salaries. To give him credit, he recognized that player salaries were a market inequity. That because everyone wanted to keep it so low, they weren't growing the sport. And so he took in all these guys, uh, Reggie Jackson and Don Gullett. You know, and Reggie Jackson, of course, you know, was the most... Probably the most famous first signing. Right? Reggie Jackson, Catfish Hunter. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, he's, when Jackson signed and he said they'd name a candy bar after me if I played in New York, and they did. They, did. they had Reggie Day, and I think he made an error, and everybody threw the, the bars on the field. But, Checks out. <laughs> but we think this is going to be the end. 
of his legal issues. But it's not. Because in 1990, or 1989, I think, after he signs Dave Winfield, Dave Winfield was a San Diego Padre uh, in the 70s. I think he comes up in 74. He's the first... He's not the he's the first San Diego Padre superstar. Uh, Nate Colbert was an all star, but he wasn't a superstar. And he's the first superstar. He's, he's drafted by four different leagues and three different sports. He's drafted in the ABA, NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Signs with Major League Baseball, something that no one would ever do anymore. And is a star for the Padres. And when his contract runs out, he signs with the. Yankees, and Steinbrenner regrets it almost immediately, doesn't he? The famous, and this is a couple years later, but they, um, so, so he signs at what, 80, 81? They go to a World Series in 81, and they lose, and then they're, Winfield's still there through the early 80s, and then later in the decade, he's got the famous quote in September. Winfield has a bad series late September in a pennant race, and he goes, something to the effect of, like, there's no Mr. October on this team. There's no Reggie Jackson. There's right. no clutch guy. Dave Winfield, what's he called? Mr. May. Yeah, he calls him Mr. Uh, May, Mr. which May. sticks he, forever. He throws shot. He th- throws shade at Winfield directly there. Uh, Ken Griffey Sr. And I believe uh, somebody else on that team, too. He's uh, just uh, Jesse Barfield, maybe? Don Baylor. Don Baylor. Um, just how the, all these guys aren't clutch. Well, these guys Gr- aren't this and that. Gr- Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. said that he would sign with, when his contract ran out with Seattle, he said he'd sign with 30 teams. I won't sign, or 31, I will not sign with the Yankees. Because of what George uh, and, had to say about his father. By the way, the Mr. May... As an insult, who does that remind you of? Trump. <laughs> Trump. It's, it's, the it's low, Schiff. It's low energy, low energy Jeb. Yeah. It's like they're the same guy twice, although Trump's worse because nobody ever asked Steinbrenner about race, so uh, which I'm sure is horrifying. On. Yeah, Steinbrenner, I think his comments about Winfield kind of gave the, gave the game away. <laughs> We're just getting started here yeah. on Winfield. So yeah. he then meets... Howie Spira. But before we get to Howie Spira, let's talk about Trump's relationship. Not Trump. That is a Freudian slip. Let's talk about Steinbrenner's relationship with the Tampa FBI. Because now he has a home in Tampa. He, he basically lives in Tampa mm-hmm. full time, right? Mm-hmm. It is the Mar-a-Lago West Coast. Mar-a-Lago is on the East Coast, isn't it? A little further south, yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think yeah, Mar-a-Lago is more east coast. East coast, more. yeah. Yep. Right. Tampa's so this is a west coast. He moves there, and he becomes great friends with the Tampa FBI. He serves as a double, like a uh, as a double agent for them on a couple of cases where he was working with the FBI in Tampa. He gave all the the Tampa FBI great deals on the Steinbrenner Hotel. Despair. <laughs> This is before Spiro. This is Trump before like before he ever meets Spiro has brought in the Tampa FBI as his closest friends by giving them perks at the hotel by working as a double agent for them. Originally there was supposed to be this giant drug bust at St- Yankee Stadium. Steinbrenner, not Trump. Steinbrenner. Yeah. Yeah. He he brings it it's it's harder to keep It's hard, yeah. It's uh... but he, he <laughs> There's supposed to be this giant drug bust at Yankee Stadium, and then they realize that, like, not everyone's going to show up at Yankee Stadium, so they have to move it to a different location. But he keeps doing stuff with the Tampa FBI. 
And the person in the Tampa FBI he's closest to is Phil McNiff, who was the director, you know, regional director in Tampa. Phil McNiff retires from the police uh, FBI and immediately becomes a vice president for the Yankees. Because there's nothing weird about that. Like, no one knows baseball like retired FBI directors. Um, Wait, what position did he hold? In with, the FBI? With the, the Yankees. F- he was a he was a vice president, vice president of operations. Or so was he like, like Steinbrenner's bag man? He's Steinbrenner's uh, friend. There were a lot of vice presidents yeah. on uh, in the Yankees. Cron- Cron- I, know, I, know, I know Billy Martin yeah. was like an advisor. I forgot. He, oh, Steinbrenner like Trump fired people, but then always always made sure they were okay because he didn't want anybody to say anything bad about him. So. Like Billy Martin kept coming back, and at the end, he was an, right an advisor. He, an advisor. he couldn't shake Billy Martin because Billy Martin's relationship to the franchise, as right. much as Steinbrenner kind of like reviled him. Like, well, this is like Mickey Mantle's guy. Like, you can't like just send Billy Martin out to pasture, which he tried to. <laughs> well, but well, not not as much as Billy Martin tried to. Well, I mean, this is fair. <laughs> like, this like is fair. Billy Martin was like drunk seventy percent of his life. It Won seems. a lot of games for a lot of teams, most namely the Yankees. Maybe not in the mid eighties though. In the A's. And the, the Rangers. No, the Rangers. Royals and the no, Twins. No, he didn't, he didn't do oh, the sorry. Tigers. Tigers. It was the Tigers, Tigers. Rangers. Tigers. Yeah. And Twins. He got fired. Uh, Did he get? He literally went to all these teams and turned them around. He, every year he showed up, they just would win like 20 more games. And then and immediately start losing because as Bill James said, what he would yeah. do is identify the seven best pitchers on his team, have them all pitch 225 or 230 innings, then their arms would go out and he'd leave. And that's that's the Catfish Hunter thing in 76, where like they get him from the A's, big money, and, and, and Martin just abuses him. And Martin Hunter's like never the same. His prime gets well, cut off. He, the worst was his time with the Yank with the A's, where he took those four young pitchers, Matt Keogh, Dave Stewart. I forget, this is like the, early I, 80s. I would, yeah, yeah, and he just and he they pitched like Keo had never pitched 130 innings, he pitched him 265 or something I, like that. It was I, like you yeah. can't survive that. I heard this on a podcast, and this is very Trumpian. That Steinbrenner, when Martin was was the coach, would have when he was banned from uh, when Steinbrenner was banned, he would have he would record these tape cassettes of his pregame speeches, and they would have to play the pregame speeches <laughs> for the players <laughs> off of Steinbrenner. And they were all Steinbrenner was obsessed with George Patton. He issued a lot of those, and a lot of his later missives, his press releases would all be just. Francesca used to read them on FAN, yeah, and he would they would play like the Pat and the music they from. Did. It was Pat. always really funny, yeah. And and Francesca <laughs> would read them and like funny, but also like you know sycophantic and right. just. I'm not a hundred percent sure Francesca was in on the joke. That's a fair, yeah. Because Steinbrenner was also a horse racing guy, so uh, Steinbrenner and Francesca, I think, had a very good positive relationship. Right. Uh, so I, anyway, I would bet money on that. So he hires um, this Phil McNiff. And because of his FBI connection, connections, McNiff knows this guy named Howie Spira. Howie Spira was a gambler who had turned state's evidence against the crime families in New York and was under FBI protection for a lot of time. But Howie Spira had also worked as a consultant on the Dave Winfield Foundation, the Dave Winfield Foundation. How Howie Spira got that job is not clear, but he got it. And McNiff suggests to uh, Steinbrenner 
that they bring Howie Spira in and pay him however much money it takes to give dirt on Winfield. What I've read is that Winfield had a contention that part of his contract, and it was the biggest contract in baseball that had been signed to that point, part of the contract was that the Yankees and Steinbrenner would have made a X amount of contribution to uh, Winfield's foundation. Correct. And that Winfield uh, said that they did not meet that part of the contract. Which they did not. How Spira, because like you said, Spira is is uh, involved in this foundation that Winfield has. So is, is Spira like a low level gangster? Like yes, he is oh, a for sure. He He's, is he is the level of you ever see that uh, movie with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau? Swingers? No, not swingers. Oh, mate. And P, yeah, mate. mate and and, and uh, um, Peter Falk and Kanye West. He was Kanye West at the time. I don't know what he is now. It's the low level kind of hustler. And, and they're like a hustler. super, a hustler. super low level gangster. A hustler. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's, yeah, he's he's a gambler who loses money and then he just helps out other people. Yeah, he's, and, and we're going to get into this. He's also significantly mentally ill. Like no one who's ever met him has not, has ever questioned that this guy is mentally ill. And so he says that he could, shed some dirt on Winfield, and they pay him $40,000 to do it. McNiff, the former FBI head, is the guy who Steinbrenner later in court says, he was McNiff's guy. I never had anything to do with that. Unfortunately, he signed the check, which is an issue. Yeah. And So wait, so Steinbrenner tried to find a patsy with McNiff. He tried to find an informant with McNiff to, to destroy Winfield. Yeah, to not pay Winfield what I think Winfield right. was which owed. Is, which is like, 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 like $200,000, yeah. and, and at this yeah. point, the Yankees are worth $100 million. Andrew, as a Yankee fan, what did, <laughs> what's your thoughts on this? I guess I'll do it now. I had come into this thinking, like, oh, we're talking about Steinbrenner, so I'm going to get oh, – it's going to be a gang pile on me or whatever. The more research I did, the more I read about the Nixon stuff, the Winfield stuff, it's like – and I think I said all fair to you, Ed. I was just like, this guy, even like as far as on-field accomplishments go for the Yankees in his tenure, like he's didn't deliver all that much. The guy is a deplorable just and again, I think that it's very apropos to kind of describe him as this sort of like pre-Trump. And the fact that he's been speak ill of the the uh the deceased in vain. I, he's I, been dead long enough so you can do it. But he gets, also being he, dead he gets being the, dead doesn't make the, you a good the, person. The, the yeah, life, but, that, the life that Trump had. Yes it does. We're all life, gonna die. We're all good people. And I don't mean to like this is just I'm just kinda like spitballing here. The life that sort of Trump has um like on the apprentice was kind of like corollary to the life I think Steinbrenner had on Seinfeld. Yep. Where he's just kind of this like likable not likable, but like this outlandish character, caricature of himself, although I'm not sure how much of a caricature it really is. Um, I'm not sure how much that, Steinbrenner really enjoyed that either. He was he filmed scenes for a season seven, a big season seven episode, I think season seven finale, and they had to cut them because of time constraints. I think he was in on the joke. I okay. do think he was in on it, but also because I think Steinbrenner, much like Trump, is like vain and like loves, he loves himself and he loves... If this is the most watched show on like primetime television, like, and I'm a part of it, I'm and in. He, and he assumes that everyone has the same feeling about him that he has. Yeah, I, I, that's I, very Trumpian. I'm gonna come thing. back to the, I'm that's gonna come back thing. to this later, cause, Andrew, because I want to ask you a question later about this when we wrap Please. up. Yeah. So this is a case where no one ends up covered in glory. No. 
Spira ends up getting arrested over it. That they never, because of course, McNiff, who could have promised anything, he was a former head of the FBI, is now a vice president of the Yankees. You don't get immunity. Spira also began talking about the money that Steinbrenner had given him. And so this was becoming a public embarrassment. Even though the Yankees are in New York, Spear is in New York, he was arrested in New York. He was indicted in Tampa. Which is everything you need to know about this. Yeah, game. and was there anything yeah. why? Was there any reason given? No. Because he, he should have been tried in New York. Uh, unless Steinbrenner wrote the check in Tampa, which is certainly possible. But again, Steinbrenner is not under, like, he's not arrested. Spear is arrested. Spear gets 22 months. He ends up serving 22 months. No, actually more than that, 30 years, three years. He serves three years for extortion because Steinbrenner claims that he keeps asking for more money. It is also clear that McNiff and, to a lesser extent, Steinbrenner, had promised him the assistant general manager's job. That's what he wanted. If he got he got this information, he was not going to get the assistant general manager's job no. because that's actually a real job in baseball, and he's not a real guy. Like he's a gambler. I think if he gets that job, there aren't uh, the Yankees don't win the World Series in '96, <laughs> then '98 through 2000. I think probably uh, yeah. probably not. I'm a very miserable fan um, here. In the present day, if Howie Spear becomes his GM in the early 90s. Yes. So, although, wasn't it the assistant general manager that just invited Trump to the, uh, for the Yankees and invited Trump to the World Series? I mean, the Yankees are playing the World Series. So no, I, I know, know but the access. assistant general manager pushed that. Yeah, I, I just. Pathetic. Who was it, like Lon Trost or yeah, something? Yeah, somebody, like, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Some, some yeah. friend of Steinbrenner's fail yeah. sons. Um, Who need to sell the team. Right. But we'll get there. But anyway. So. Spira does months in like three years in prison. Yeah. Bowie Kuhn, who does not like Steinbrenner, says banned for life. It's not Bowie Kuhn at this point. Oh, no, it's Faye Vincent. Faye Vincent. Yeah. Faye Vincent, who also doesn't like him, bans him for life. 22 months later, lets him back in. So he's not banned for life anymore. What has happened in those 22 months is the Yankees have gotten used to being a normal organization. That Gene Michaels taken over, that they've rebuilt the farm system, that Steinbrenner, at some level, understands. I should probably take a step back. And that is the Yankee dynasty. But Steinbrenner's lifetime ban for hiring this guy is less than Spira, Spira paid in terms of months in jail, and Phil Mushnick. No one's idea of a hero. He's in New York. Is he still the New York okay, Post? He's the New York Post. Uh, is he still he, there? Oh yeah. Um, he's got to be 106. I have 76. I would say at least he is there, and he's been there for what 30, probably 40 years. He's their media columnist. He opines on the on their Sunday pages a couple times during the week. On just, used to, used to kill Mike and the Mad Duck. Hated Francesca. Hated them. Um, a, he he's and he was wrong about that. He's wrong a lot. He's controversial a lot. He's he's very much a part of like the New York tabloid. He's very much read. He's he's a needle mover to an older generation in New York City still. So Andrew, I gotta ask. And um, this time I think, do you think we were unfair? Not at all. No. Not <laughs> so at all. so Mush, Mushnick points out all. 
who he had had multiple calls that that because Mushnick's Mushnick, Howie Spiro used to call him from prison, and he said he stopped taking the calls because it was so clear that Spiro was deeply delusional, and he makes this great statement that Steinbrenner and McNiff did not save themselves by putting an innocent man in jail, but they saved themselves by putting a sick man in jail. And I think that is still true. In 2010, he's now been out of jail for 15 years. He is still upset that they have not offered him the assistant manager's job. Yeah. The general manager's job with the Yankees. He's clearly mentally ill. And these two, the former head of the FBI and this 10-figure, well, probably nine-figure back then, guy worth nine figures, they're fine. Nothing bad's happened to them, really. You know, Steinbrenner had to take a couple months off. Again, he didn't have to lose ownership. He just didn't get to be part of the day-to-day operations. And by that point, Steinbrenner was kind of done with it anyway. It's like when, whenever he is in his tenure, hands-on in the day-to-day, minus signing Reggie, minus signing Winfield, um, I guess giving the okay, which I'm not even sure he had the authority to in like an uh, 08 of like Sabathia and Teixeira and those buying that World Series in 09, like it was hands-off. And the Yankees were better off for it, him being hands-off, which to me, in my research, just kind of, this is a, a serial white-collar criminal who I, I'm, I think Yankee fans, uh, I think there's a, some, I think Seinfeld's a part of it. I think he's portrayed as kind of this like comic figure. There's nothing really comical about it. He was kind of a predatory white-collar criminal. And when he was, in, when he was you know, hands-on in the baseball, like, not, not good. Not good for the team. And like Trump, the bro- the people he leaves broken behind him with is no, endless. With no... No concern. No concern. It, yeah. No concern at all. Um, do you want to, like, briefly, because we mentioned The Simpsons in the intro, like, this is, like, Don <laughs> Mattingly, like, that was a thing where he comes in, he gets to spit... You know, Steinbrenner has this. This is kind it's, of it's, it's one of the great. Little, it's little, one of the great Simpson jokes about well, uh, Mattingly sideburns. And he, and he, thinks, <laughs> yeah, and he right. still thinks Burns is well. I still rather work for Burns than Steinbrenner. You know, and that's Mattingly saying that. And Mattingly gets fucking. This is Mister Yankee in the early nineties, and he shows up and like Steinbrenner has this long held like no facial hair, no this, and Mattingly shows up and like he's got the mustache and like a mullet, and they tell him like you got to shave that. He's like, nah, I ain't doing it. And he he sits for like a couple of weeks. Yes, uh, before he finally, you know. Sort of cowtows, but cuts off the muscle. Yeah. Don Mattingly was also famous because he he didn't like getting steak in New York because people got upset when he put ketchup on it, which is a sin. He put, he had his steaks done well done and put ketchup on it. Who does that remind <laughs> you of? Who does that remind you of? Yeah, that's right. Also, again, <laughs> that's true. That uh, both, both Donald Trump and people who fought in World War uh, the Civil War, like that's that that's who put ketchup on steak with well done. But as I was going through this, and I remembered most of it, but, I mean, it's hard not to just see the Trumpian elements of just, like, he's, he's a precursor, and he gets forgiven for everything because he's this tabloid star for being a rich guy. Steinbrenner accomplished more than Trump did uh, during that time frame. I mean, obviously, Trump became president, which is more than owning the Yankees, because the Yankees actually were good. They did win in 76 and 77, and... They won 76. But that was a good team. And it yeah. was one of the most interesting teams in the history of baseball. It was pre Reggie 76. They'd lose to the Reds, get swept, and then right. Reggie comes in. But yeah, and, and the, the, the Reggie three home run game. I mean, they oh. just did shit. 
Like they were just doing stuff all the time. I think briefly here, there is one like one great connection between I think Trump and Steinbrenner is both of their unfailing loyalty to one Rudolph Giuliani. Yes. Um, yes. Which I think stands. I mean, you want to talk about the comparing the two? Like they both were essentially. Uh, I mean, Giuliani's more of a Trump flunky. I think Steinbrenner was kind of a Giuliani flunky, and in, in the other way around too, maybe to an extent. But well, I um, mean, Steinbrenner knew Trump before. I mean, Giuliani before he became mayor. Right. And right. By the time Giuliani enters Trump's orbit, he's been mayor. Right. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. We 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 are not a. Uh, the intersection of law and politics uh, podcast, but if we were, Giuliani would be season one, episode one. For sure. So with that, we're going to say goodbye to George Steinbrenner. He's been dead 11 years. His family still owns the team. I don't think, I, I want them, I'm an advocate for them selling the team. I want them to sell the team. Right, because it, it was uh, called Steinbrenner Baseball Enterprises or something. It was originally, he left it to Steve, Steve Swindell. Before he dies, who is married to his daughter. They get but, divorced, so they buy Swindell out. Right, and Swindell has a DUI. Um, among other... That's yeah, yeah. among other disc- indiscretions, which really push him out the door. Now it's in the hands of Hal and Hank, or Hank is deceased now, and Hal is a businessman who does not... The one thing you could say about George Steinbrenner was that George Steinbrenner was willing to spend money that was there in the Yankee coffers on winning product. Hal Steinbrenner is... Far more rich than his father ever was. Because of his dad. And now he refuses to get really engaged with the product. And they, they still want to charge the same prices that a world championship level team commands. But they don't want to actually put the effort into the into the, uh, into the 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 franchise. No. and and, and, and But just think, that, yeah. that team's worth, <laughs> that's, like that team has gone up in value 250 times what he paid for it. And, oh, my God. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's just, anyway. So that is our discussion of, you know, our theme this year has been criminal justice and sports. And I think George Steinbrenner is our penultimate discussion on that. We have one more to go. But it's nice to remember Steinbrenner being arrested for helping Dick Nixon because that seems appropriate. And as a Red Sox fan, I would say that all our owners are – have ever been guilty of is horrifying racism by by uh, Tom Yawkey. Yep, that's it. It's bad enough. They don't call it Yawkey Way anymore, right? They they changed it. Yeah, that's good. Um, but with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook at the Bill. Bradley Collective. We'll see you all again next week.